Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all to play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, Vlins, and welcome to the Love of Pomegranate podcast. We're here. Completely impromptu. Just decided, myself friend Paddy, we were going to look. It, it, I'll tell you exactly how impromptu it is. Don't even have the backing up or anything like that. God, can't get good help these days. Sure, you can't. <laughs> we had. Uh, if anybody out there wants to do, wants to be a producer for the podcast, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Wouldn't it just? <laughs> or if anybody knows how to graft the little tree arms underneath the winds I have at the moment, uh, that'd be fantastic. So I could press all the buttons. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, myself and Paddy, we were going to do a podcast tonight. We were going to chat just about the Stoke game. And we were going to chat about Dean Smith being back on the training ground and John Terry also leaving. And we will get to those. But 
in the last few minutes, uh, it's been noted that Leon Bailey has, um, it's looking like Leon Bailey is going to leave Leverkusen. And it looks like that Aston Villa are very, very heavily linked. It's coming from very, very reputable sources within Germany. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname, but Max of Sky Sports in, in uh, German Sky Sports has mentioned it. Also, Ronan Murphy, fellow Irishman who is a reporter for Goal.com, specifically with Bundesliga, has reported that Leon Bailey and Aston Villa are in talks, or sorry, Aston Villa and Leverkusen are in talks about uh, over Leon Bailey, which, um, no, it's been something that's been rumoured, Paddy, and it's been murmured over the last few days. I, we did a podcast on him, on his strengths and weaknesses, uh, well, mostly specifically his strengths, really, um, in during the week, uh, because it had been rumoured. But this is the first concrete kind of evidence that something may be happening. And it's coming from Germany as opposed to coming from uh, coming from the UK. But, Paddy, what's yeah. your thoughts on this one? Talk to me on it. We, we've barely even spoken about this even through text message or anything. No, we haven't, no. Um, it's one I'm pretty excited about and, you know, I have very little to base that on other than the expert knowledge that you shared in, in the previous podcast, which, funnily enough, I only got around to listening to properly today. So, uh, <laughs> um, look, he's, he's by far and away, you know, fits into our system like no other. Um I spoke to I have a Dutch friend who lives in Germany who's just fountain of knowledge, and I spoke to him today after after watching your your uh, your clips, and he said whoever gets this is going to get a bargain. He said this guy is going to go for 60, 70, 80 million in years to come. So uh, if we get in there now and tie this down, and it is us, happy bloody days because it just it just screams of signing that. You know, would fit into our system. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do with, with Jack Grealish and and everybody else. But uh, you know, it, it, again, how many times have we said these players have been brought in to give others rest, to get to rotate the system, to to you know to change things up for different challenges that that the defensive um, what, what you know for the likes of West Ham putting two defenders on Jack Grealish, all that kind of stuff. They just can't do that with players like Leon Bailey on the pitch. They can't do that with players like uh, Emi Buendia on the pitch. So all of these things coming together are just go it's just going to be so exciting. And fingers crossed they can get this one over the line. Yeah, absolutely. Like Leon Bailey is he's something somebody that we need. And, and I'm actually going to recycle some of the stuff, the some of the content that we used on the last podcast because I think it's relevant and it's very relevant to talk about it here. And plus, it might help answer some of the questions that I can see popping up there in the chat room. There, we've got a couple of them there, and one of them is uh, from Gaz Oaks. If we sign Bailey, that means it would be at ten, doesn't it? Um, not necessarily. So. Not, not necessarily, <laughs> but I, I think I, I don't think it's 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 against completely against the realms of possibility. If we look at where where uh, Leon Bailey has played previously, I suppose really where most of his minutes, most of his stats have come from. And I'm just going to share this up there. I don't know can you guys you'll be able to see this. So, uh, guys, I'm just going to take your your comment down there. But if you look at where Leon Bailey has played previously, like most of his games come from the wings, but most of his game come from the left wing. So I think. I think potentially it might mean that Jack Grealish plays in the centre, but also I'm very, very much of the opinion that I don't think that we even have a number 10 this season. I don't think we play with a number 10 this season. I think that we play more with a flat midfield tree, a flatter midfield tree. I don't think it's ever going to be specifically flat, um, mm. but it's going to be flatter midfield tree. 
um, potentially this year. And um, if we don't play with that system, I think maybe we move Jack in there. But yeah, David Buendia could certainly go in that side. And I think what Leon Bailey gives us is he gives us that ability to be able to either start him left or start him right, to have that unpredictability from a pace point of view. Also, you're going to have Bertrand Traore as well, because forgotten man, you're going to have people like Morgan Sanson as well. Uh, which makes me think that potentially we might have a more withdrawn player, maybe two eights as opposed to a six and eight and a ten, like we played at times last season. Might have more of a Morgan Sanson in yeah. there, or maybe he's an option because he seems to be a bit of a forgotten man because he hasn't played much since since uh, April or May time. But it gives us massive amount of options, and even just based on this, you know, you can see forty-seven games, three hundred six, three thousand six hundred odd minutes at left wing, and two thousand six hundred and eighty-six odd minutes from right wing as well. He, Leon Bailey isn't going to be a number ten. That's that's no, definitely not. I, I, I don't. We're definitely going to see him off the wing, and I, I reckon we probably see him time to time up top, um, depending on what's required. If we don't sign another striker, I could definitely see him filling in there if if needs be, um. I think he's probably, the, of Bertrand Traore, Emmy Buendia, Jack Grealish, he's probably the only one that won't play through the middle. So mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't rule out uh, Bertrand Traore filling in in that position either. Um, th- there's a lot that can happen here. And uh, isn't it exciting to be ta- <laughs> to be potentially having an embarrassment of riches in that department, which we've just never had in, in all of my time supporting Aston Villa. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, Matt Hayes from the Tottenham blog is uh, popped in. Matt is a good friend of the podcast. Uh, he just It's just an interesting one here that Spurs fans are giving out about us getting Brian Gill instead of Leon Bailey. Oh, yeah. I got Pelters. Well, I won't say I got Pelters, but on Twitter about six or seven weeks ago, I started talking about Brian Gill as being, an, being um, just a fantastic dribbler of the ball. He's a sensational dribbler of the ball more. I suppose he's more cultured than, than, than a pace player, I think. But uh, yeah, I think if Spurs fans took time to watch Brian Gill, they would be giving out about him. You know, the grass is always greener, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure Spurs fans would be giving out about yeah. someone signing somewhere else, just like Aston Villa would be signing, giving out about somebody signing into for another team as well. It's various portions of the season. But, uh, you know, Brian Gill is definitely not second price. He's better than Eric Lamella anyway, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, Leon <laughs> Bailey is definitely... Little, little Cruyff, is that what they call him? Brian yeah, Gill? something along Cruyff. those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's a fantastic player. He's just, he's just a really good dribbler of the ball. But once again, Leon, Leon Bailey's feet are fantastic. He's very, very fast feet. Obviously, uh, a lot of Caribbean players are flair players, you know. Um, and, and Leon Bailey certainly has that. Uh, definitely in in his locker. Um, just before I go to a couple of other um other chats that we have here and other comments that we have here, guys, if you are tuning in for the very first time, really appreciate it if you could give our YouTube a so just sub on it, subscribe on our YouTube. We're forty ish people away from a thousand. We're too old guys here in Ireland. It's just a pure of another vanity project. We're going to make no bones about it. It's just, we set ourselves a goal of getting to a thousand um, before the season started. We'd really appreciate it. Cost another, we'd love a little subscribe if you could, uh, if you aren't subscribed already, because we'll be doing a lot more of these as the season goes on. So thank you so much for, to everybody for everything you do. And uh, if you could just subscribe on YouTube, it would make, uh, it would make us very, very happy here in Ireland. But um, that's, there's an interesting one here for you, Paddy, and we'll get back to some more stats for Leon Bailey in a moment, but there's an interesting one here. Karen McKenna says, who loses out in minutes if Traore, uh, for, from El Traore, Algazda, Trezeguet, and Philogene Bidez, who we've seen getting more minutes? So who do you think loses out there with bringing in another 
wing player. I'll, I'll, I'll make a bold prediction here to start with. Um, if Leon Bailey signs, that's for me spells the end of uh, Anwar Al Ghazi. I think we we will be definitely shipping someone out, and I think it will be Anwar because obviously uh, we can sell Trez because he's injured, um, and Traore. I think I think he, he's a lot more to offer than Anwar, and we're we're, we're going to be looking at him for the future. Um, Philogene Bades I think could go on loan. Um, mm-hmm. nothing to base that on. I just think that's what will probably happen. But ultimately, I think it'll be El Ghazi that will that will miss out if if we make this signing. Paddy, it's interesting as well with Philogene Bades. It's only about six or seven or maybe eight months ago that we're all saying, "Oh, it's Dortmund or somebody." We're going. To, I think it was Leipzig. We're going to kind of snatch <laughs> him off us, yeah. and everyone was like, "Play him, play him quickly, play him quickly." And isn't it mad how kind of the worm turns in instances like this? Now we're kind of going send him alone to a championship team or something and um, it's really interesting the way kind of the life of football comes at you hard and this isn't to say anything bad about uh about philogene Bres. it's kind of more to say aston villa are not the, a mirage of a team who are going to you know act the quote-unquote billy big bollocks we look like we're doing things with something in mind and we're bringing in decent decent players you know, with Buendia and if Leon Bailey does come through the door. Like, these are big, big signings for Aston Villa, but um, it doesn't mean that somebody like Philogene Bidais doesn't come in, doesn't go on loan, maybe take over that Trezeguet role uh, and Royal Gazi role next season after this season. You know, there will still be still be a lot of trade on tires for people like Gazi and for Trezeguet to maybe uh, make some money for the club or even... You know, who knows about this year? If Al Ghazi scores another 10 goals this year, who says that we even want to get rid of him? Yeah, and I know well, you don't think he's going to score 10 goals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's going to be enough action to score 10 goals if, if we sign yeah, Leon Bailey. True. I just can't see yeah. how, how we're going to pigeonhole Anwar into any of this. So that, that's just my opinion that I think that he'll be the one that will miss out. Um, because, when you know, we've got to the stage now in, in that department that somebody will have to be moved on. And, you know, I've given my case for the others. I just don't think that, that it'll be anyone else other than Anwar. Mm. Um, David Miller says the Bundia can play in the back role, playing through balls, and he can tackle too. Bundia can tackle. Bundia, in the two games I've seen, Bundia is the narkiest, rattiest man I've seen play for Aston Villa in a long, long time. And I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it because he's... You know, he's he's just got this kind of like, it's like he walks onto the field and he's small and, you know, he's smiling and you hear him. He's really, really uh, kind of quietly spoken and he's got a high-pitched voice and he comes across as being meek. And then the second you stand on his toe, he turns into, you know, a mighty mouse. Or have you ever seen that film Carrie? Yeah, we never see that film Carrie before. <laughs> Slice little thing sets off, she blows up the whole house. He's kind of like that, I think, on the field. And uh, Norwich fans and the guys that we had on from the Canary cast said, just be prepared to be without him for at least two or three games a season because he will get sent off, you know. Mm-hmm. And yes, he can tackle and he likes to get tackled, but as long as he somebody doesn't leave a leg in at him, um, <laughs> he's definitely going to be a bit more combative. I, I think yeah. he'll taste like that. He's a, he's a tough little cookie. My, my main concern yeah. is, is his mouth. You know, you, you can see, you know, I like to see a player getting in the referee's ear because every other big team does it to us. So we should be a big team. We just got to choose our words carefully and choose our battles. <laughs> so we're not, but it we're is, not 
I, I, what I like about it is at least it takes the focus off Jack. If you've got another player that's yeah. in there and gets in the referee's ear, look, United did it for years with Ferdinand and Keane and Keane and, and, and other players. There was a multitude of players, Gary Neville getting in fellas' ears, yeah. Stam getting, you know, good teams do that. They take they take turns walking up and kind of, you know, having a word with the ref, trying to get to them all this kind of stuff, you know. And when I say get to know him, I mean with quotation marks really yeah. there as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that... Uh, you know, if you have a little bit of a moan at the ref and it's coming from different voices, I, I don't think it's specifically a bad thing um, from that point of view. Uh, David Ward says that uh, this season is all about depth of the team. I think we're going to be a scary team this season. Absolutely. And, and that's why I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a mass exodus of players uh, go from this team. I think if it comes down to it, we'll probably see one or two of the young players go out alone um, yeah. because we know that if our players that we keep around play well, we get transfer value for them next season, you know, regardless of of, of what happens. I think Amor Gazi goes anywhere on the continent and scores 10 goals. You know, I think he does. I think he's a quite a good player. I think sometimes the Premier League doesn't suit him. Um, who knows what way Pez is going to come back. It was a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty nasty-looking injury. Um, one of those kind of almost non-contact injuries as such, you know, you never like to see those ones and who knows what state of the season he's going to be back in and obviously Troy is just back on the field I think he's just back doing some of training now as well, so it's uh, we're not exactly stacked in the in the, the world positions at the moment, so like we've played mm. Aaron Ramsey and we've played Aaron Ramsey and Kenny Chuck out Chuck there anyway in, in, in the last two games, so it is definitely about depth, but um yeah, that's certainly. But there's other there's other parts of the pitch where we're, we're lacking a bit as well. We need we need to get in mm. a centre half, I would imagine, um, to fill the void of, of Bjorn Engels because we're, we, with a couple of injuries, we'd be badly stuck there at, at centre half. Now I know they've brought in Bogard and he's he, he has looked quite you know comfortable there, but I think that would be if if we get Leon Bailey over the line at a centre half, would probably be our next purchase. Yeah, actually, Jude, before I come to your question, I've actually just got to just pop up a couple of stats about Liam Bailey and then maybe we can move on to other signings then afterwards and just kind of for a moment draw a line under under Liam Bailey but um here are some stats I wanted to show Liam Bailey in comparison with Jack Grealish because why not uh Liam Bailey and Jack Grealish um are going to be if they sign for if he signs for Aston Villa they're going to be two of our, our go-to people um so obviously I just wanted to share up one or two little things here um and the biggest piece for me is that they both played a similar amount of games last season and they both played a similar amount of minutes last season Jack Grealish obviously carried the ball an awful lot further than Leon Bailey did and Leon Bailey had uh, a better shot success percentage he took a lot more shots I actually just realized there that my numbers on Jack Grealish's shots look to be very off um, there uh, but uh, Leon Bailey um yeah, the shot percentage is right. It's just the amount of successful shots seem to be off. Uh, but Leon Bailey took uh, a lot more shots than uh, than Jack Grealish did last season. Um, also, the pressure rates look are very, very similar for the amount of defensive work that they do. Because one of the things with Leon Bailey was that maybe his percentage or uh, that his uh, defensive work wasn't up to scratch. But Peter Bosch is um, is a very tactically driven type manager. And it took him two or three years to really drill it into Leon Bailey. It seems that you know you ha you can play both ways. You can play going forwards. You can play going backwards. And uh, you know it's 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 very important to be able to play both ways. And especially when you're in the Premier League, it certainly is is uh, very important to do that. Um, with regards to how important they are to the team, 
Um, I think this is a really interesting stat uh, that Leon Bailey, when it, the goal scored when he was on the field as to when he wasn't on the field, there was a positive of 0.73 goals per 90 minutes. What that means is that when Leon Bailey was on the field, he um, he accounted for, or the team accounted for zero, uh, plus 0.73 goals per 90 minutes when he was on the field. We can look there with Jack. It's very similar to how we how much we relied on Jack as well, plus 0.71 goals per 90 minutes. Uh, the team scored 42 goals with Leon Bailey in the team, and they only scored 11 goals with him, with him out of the team last season. With us, we scored 40 with Jack. We scored 15 goals without him. It's not a direct comparison of the two players. I just thought they were interesting statistics to show um, to show what it was like playing with one player and then when he was out of the team, what way the team played as well. So I um, just wanted to share up those statistics. There are <clears throat> some ones I came across and I thought they were really interesting to highlight that uh, the attacking intent and how much Leon Bailey actually brings to the um are brought to the Leverkusen team last year. And remember as well, a Leverkusen team that had lost Kai Havertz, who was really their talisman the year yeah. previous. Um, you know, so somebody had to step up to the plate and while Leverkusen didn't exactly have a brilliant, brilliant year, they were up around the top of the Bundesliga and Leon Bailey had his best season ever. So he did go some way to filling those boots of a Kai Havertz from last year. So just going to remove that there and we might get into more stuff. Where is Jude's comment there? So Paddy, if Leon Bailey gets over the line, how many more additions do you think this squad needs? As of today, the 26th of July, 2021. Um, I'm a bit like you, Neil. I, I like to see loads of players coming in. and <laughs> um, every, every transfer target I'd like to see coming to us. Realistically, I'd like to see two more. Um, I'd like to see a centre-half, which I think is vital. And I'd like to see a big central midfielder. But failing that, another striker. So... That that's where I'm at with it. If we if we only bring in one more uh, with Bailey and it's a centre half, I think I'd be happy enough with what we have because uh, those guys are going to take so much pressure off the midfield. <laughs> it's just going to be unbelievable. Mm. So um, that that that's where I stand on it. The centre half is the vital one because at the moment we've only got it with regards to people who who've got a little bit of experience. Obviously, Tyrone Ming still isn't back with the squad yet. Um, then we have Courtney House and obviously Ezri Konza. So it's light enough, you know. You've only got three people going into two positions. So if 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 there was a suspension or an injury or or both at the same time, we're in trouble at centre half. Yeah, I think uh, I listened to Villa View and I see Dan is actually there. And Dan, thanks for for tuning in, Dan Bardell. And Dan mentioned something along the lines of that maybe we get somebody who can cover defensive mid and centre half, uh, yeah. Axel to and Zabi type player. And you know what? That was kind of a light bulb moment. It makes so much sense. It, it, it feeds into the versatility that we're looking for from players. You know, if we've got versatility up front, we're, def- we're most likely going to look for versatility at the back. And I think Tuan Zebi could be somebody who could do that as well. Yeah. Paddy, you also mentioned, and I think that's the, they're the two pivotal positions, I think, for us now going forward. Striker, yes, but saying that, I think that we'll be so fluid up there that we will see, like, Ian Bailey comes in there. I think we could see a lot of rotation up there, and I think that Dean Smith might be happy with, with, with Leon Bailey's pace, that it might, like, like let's call it what it is. Ollie Watkins scored however many goals last season. I can't remember. Was it 15, 16 goals last season? Ollie Watkins is a converted winger. I think a converted winger can work in this in the team. 
I would like us to, to sign another striker, but if you were to tell me right now, are we going to sign another striker? I just don't know. I couldn't give you a name. I couldn't give you a name. I, Tammy Abraham isn't coming through the doors, in my view. I don't. No, I think it's too late. Not a for that. I, don't I think, think, if, I think if Tammy was a realistic target, it would be done already. Um, mm. So for that reason, I don't think it is. Two and Zabi would be an interesting one. Apparently only available on loan, though. But as you said, could fill in. They ever shit or get off the pot with him? Like, no, they just don't. They it's like, like he's no. like a jilted lover every time, and he just. But takes he, played, he back. played a lot of games. In fairness to them, last season, you know, yeah. important games too in in Europe. So he has been given opportunities, but he obviously just doesn't doesn't trust them to be there long term. So he wants them to go out and get get a. Uh, more experience somewhere. So if it's on loan, we're not going to sign him because they want someone that's going to play him every week. And at the moment, coming to us, he's not he's not going to play every week unless we play him as a defensive midfielder. But then who misses out in that scenario? It's hard to tell. But I, I just don't see... That's why I don't see him coming. If they said, yes, he's up for sale, I think he would be a good boy for us. But mm. on loan, we're not going to get him. Um, yeah, I, potentially we might go for some sort of centre half to, to maybe a young up and coming centre half or something like that. But I just don't see it. Like we've got Lamar Bogard, and I think that if Tuan Zabi comes in, as you mentioned, he will want to go and play somewhere. Like he might as well just stay at Man United if he's going to play, come in and play 12 games a season, you know. But if we get a Lamar Bogard, Lamar Bogard, I, I genuinely believe the reason they're playing Lamar, Bo- Lamar Bogard at centre half is to toughen him up from a defensive point of view, that he will actually play a defensive midfield. At Feyenoord, he was, and he was brought into this club as a 16-year-old to play the defensive midfielder. This isn't hyperbole based on the two games that we've seen of him. I really like the look of him in both those games. He can play the ball at his feet, and I think that's what they're doing. I think they're moving him yeah. back to be able to bring him out again a small bit or to have that versatility. Um, I really like the 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 look of uh, Swinkles as well. He's centre-half. Um, he's compatriot. Uh, that was playing centre half in the FAU Cup final as well. He's a bit of a bigger guy. I don't expect mm-hmm. him to to progress at the same uh, speed as Lamar Bogard because I think he's a bit more cumbersome and um and, and he's a bit more of a, a stopper than he is a, a kind of a cultured defender. But I yeah. really like the look of him. I think I think he he offers something to us. But it would be interesting to see what they do in that in that um that kind of defensive midfield midfielder uh, situation as i say as i was saying beforehand if they go to a kind of a more flatter screen midfield do we need an out no defensive midfielder if we're getting another body back there and if we're not going to play a number 10 up front and all things point that potentially we're not going to play a number 10 up front and if we mm. do it might be jack Grealish, you know so look it, there's it, there's a lot of unanswered questions i think with that and recruitment will answer some of them for sure recruitment will answer some of them I suppose um, the, the, other big, the other big thing with, with additions is the striker situation. There's a lot of people very worried about whether we've got adequate backup, if anything. To we us. don't. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't believe we do either place. at the moment. I think Wesley's still a good bit off. Um, I think Keenan isn't the finished article. I really, really hope he can push on and, and, and get stronger and, and get more confidence in front of goal. But I just can't see it at the moment. So yeah. the worry... It's not a, a huge worry because Ollie Watkins is, is so evergreen and, you know, he, he hasn't picked up in, injuries throughout his career. But that's not to say an incident like what happened to Wesley couldn't happen and rule him out long term. And then we're in big trouble. So um, who who's our backup then? Is is it, is it going to be either of them two? Do we bring Louis Barry basically from the shadows because he's, he's been kind of kept on the sideline as if he's not ready yet? There you go. Will he go out on loan? Um, he probably needs to. 
in my opinion, he probably needs to. He's still a little bit young. He's still a little bit raw. Um, you know, it, it seems a bit strange me saying this because Liverpool didn't do that when they had a talent like Michael Owen ready to come in. They just played him. So may, maybe it is time to play him. It's it's you know, but there's there's definitely a decision needs to be made on, on Louis Barry over the next four or five weeks, I would imagine, before the transfer wi- window closes. Um, I personally would like to see him go out on loan and see what he's made of week in week out, and all going well, he comes back into the team in uh, in next season and can give us a different dimension up front. Here's an interesting one for you, Paddy, and I'm uh, I'm gonna have a crack <laughs> answer in it. Alvarez yeah. could be backup striker. Right, I think like if you were to say to me, do will we sign Tammy for forty five million, or will we sign Alvarez and Leon Bailey, given that they're unknown entities coming from a different league for fifty million? Um, I think you'd have to go with the two unknown entities and Alvarez and Bailey just for what they potentially could bring. Like, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love Tammy Abram, and I think he comes to Aston Villa, he scores, he scores. 16, 17, 18 goals for Aston Villa. He's just a striker. Mm. That's what he is. He's 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 a damn good striker. I think he gets into the England squad if he's playing with Aston Villa. He gets back into the England squad. Um, I just don't see the transfer being done. I just don't. Like, they've had ample amount of time and opportunity and they've got money to spend. I don't think they value him at 40 million. But I think they could pick up someone like Alvarez for 15 to 20 million. And then if they were to get Leon Bailey for 35, listen, you know, you're talking 50 to 55 million. And yeah, look, we're going to be still looking for defensive reinforcements, and that's mm. going to be a massive worry unless we go away and get get uh, Chris Samba out of retirement again. He could cover striker and centre <laughs> half again. You know, he's he's adept at both. But um, it's going to be really interesting. I like I don't know how many additions we're going to make. I I, I like we also have um a second or potentially third choice goalkeeper to choice to make because I did read we were linked with Jack Stevens from Oxford United. Now I know somebody who's playing for Oxford United and I've reached out to them to see uh, if there's any truth in that. But in uh, the, the the ship is tight in uh, in Oxford and um, and uh, I got nothing back uh, from that. But uh, it seems to be a young up and coming goalkeeper, 22 or 23 years of age. Maybe he comes in. Uh, like there's there's about four <laughs> positions we need to fill. And we're yeah, not going to fill them all. There's a lot of faith in, in Sinisalo and, and Philip Marshall as well. So, yeah, I, I, I don't envisage that's one they're particularly worried about. Um, I was a little bit anxious after watching Jed Steer. He had a bit of a moment in the first uh, game against uh, Walsall. And then he poor decision making on the first goal at the weekend when he decided to come for a ball that was landing on the edge of the box, which he absolutely no right to get into and was caught short and the ball looped over his head. Mm. So I think that's lack of game time as well with him. His decision-making yeah. isn't quite there. And can you afford to bring someone in like that, that, you know, can make it, I don't know. So maybe we need to sign someone, but it seems to be that they have a lot of faith in, in the two young lads that are there. So that might not be their priority. Uh, Adam Nicholson has uh, has come up with an interesting piece there. We're not advocating that we're we're not kicking El Ghazi out the door no, here, guys. No. It just so happens that the that he probably is the most saleable asset that we have at the moment. I have but tried to kick Adam him out before Ghazi. in the past, but uh, he's yeah. He, after he's the time he didn't put his head, <laughs> yeah. After after he didn't after he didn't put his head in that ball against Everton, I think it was. Uh, I think you <laughs> you were ready to ship him out yourself, but um. That is an interesting prospect. We there there was rumors of a guy being courted by other teams as well this season. So 
potentially if there is an out that happens within the Aston Villa team, mm. who knows? Who knows where it's going to come from? But we're ta- I suppose I've been talking about these transfers as in we're not going to recoup any cash back. Um, but who knows? Maybe we do. Maybe we get six, seven, eight million out of, out of nowhere for somebody that comes in and bids for El Ghazi. Maybe someone yeah. wants to take Wags- Wesley off their hands. For for uh, although I don't think it happens now, but um, you know, it's an interesting one. It really is an interesting one. Uh, and sure. in the last couple of days, some somebody has a few people have suggested to me that Steve Bruce is interested in taking El Ghazi. So that'll be one to watch out for. Maybe Newcastle are interested. I saw a great chat here. I'm trying to go back to get it. This one, Simon Bailey will mean we've nearly got as much width as my waistline. I feel exactly the same way. Lately. I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's get this one done as well, Paddy. Do you think Bay signing signals Grealish could be off? No, still. I don't think this so. Is, this is building a team around Grealish. It's not. It's not signing replacements or doing anything like it. Did like Jack needs help, and did mm. this is help? It's not. It's not replacements. Um. I would, as I said so many times, Jack's not going anywhere this year. I just can't see it. If we don't improve or if we don't get at least European football next year, then thanks very much, Jack. You can you can go now. If he wants to go, maybe he doesn't want to go at all. You know, maybe he's happy to go with this long term. He's getting he's getting copious amount of cash to stay here. So stay here and become, you know, like. There's, there's no question when, when we go back to talk about in years to come about the greatest players we've ever seen in the Claret and Blue, he's going to be up there with Paul McGrath, probably will surpass him if he stays there for, for the rest of his career. So, you know, I, I just can't, I just can't see how a fan would want to leave what where he's at at the moment when mm. he's only really got one choice and to go and sit on the bench at Man City, I just don't see that as appealing for Jack Grealish. Neither do I. Paddy, you just changed tack a small little bit here. Why would you put Stoke last, Hunter? We've been flirting around this one. Yeah. It, was, it, it, wasn't, great. it wasn't great watching, but why would you put no. it down? And that's a great question, you know, because I could have farted around asking 40 different questions and never been as direct as this. So TSR might hire you as being my script man in future because <laughs> God knows I can't shut up when I start asking a question. So I need yeah. direct ones like this. So there's a, num- a number of factors in play here, and the, the biggest one being that Stoke are a week ahead of us in in their training. They were back a week before, and they will they will play competitive matches a week before us. Mm. Um, remembering that we're only a couple of weeks into probably very high octane training, there's going to be a lot of heavy legs as well. When did that training stop? Probably Thursday before a match on Saturday. I would imagine there would be a lot of heavy legs out there on the Saturday. And this is all a part of preseason. You're going to get losses like that. You're going to get leggy performances. Um, the only time I will judge what this team does is when they go out against Watford on the opening day of the season. You know, they, they could have played it behind closed doors friendly, but they put it out there. They got the fans are back in the stadium. They were in fine voice and fettle. It was brilliant to watch. But uh, yeah, it was bad performance. I, I, I don't think anybody would, would gloss over that with the club. I wouldn't say anybody was too happy. But uh, manager back on the training ground today. Uh, 
few issues put to bed. John Terry has said his goodbyes. There's a there's a lot going on there in the background as well. Um, great to see Dean Smith back on the on the training pitch. I think that I think that was important as well. Um, so his, his next task is to get Jack back in now and sign a new contract, and we'll all be very happy, and we won't give a shit what happened at Stoke at the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely, we won't. Yeah, and just on the Stoke piece before I leave it there, I agree with you, but I also agree that there was some. There's some mild positives from that game as well, you know. Um, obviously, look, let's let actually before we start talking about the mild positives, look what Wesley mm. did. I suppose let's just get it out there. Look, no one can sit yeah. here and go, Yeah, he did that. And look, it was, it was pretty silly, but um, I, he, I, I'm not showing him the door from the club or anything like that. He's, he's still only a young kid, he's got pent up frustration, you know. Who, who knows what the hell. I don't envisage anything was said or anything went on there. It was just a silly move from him. Fired up. He lasted seven minutes. And to be honest with you, I'm sure he sure he, he hung his head in the dressing room afterwards. And, you know, he probably got to kick up the, the behind yeah. the, 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 probably any of the rest of us that would get. Would get. And at the and end of the rumors. day, he's, he's the one that's going to, you know, suffer from that the most because yeah, it's going to affect, it's going to affect his mindset and everything he does from now on. So mm-hmm. um, it's a pity it happened. It was stupid. But I'd rather it happened against Stoke the other day than happen against Watford in three weeks' yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. That's the long and the short of it. So if he's got if he's gonna have a brain fart like that and do something absolutely ridiculous, do it on a preseason friendly and don't do it in competitive games where you're you're putting us on the back foot when we're we're trying to chase a game. Um yeah. just another thing, the first half we played two very we played effectively two sixes, I thought. Yeah. And it, the midfield was kind of non existent. So I kind of put that into the, you know, into the mix. Of that uh, that's why we lost at the weekend. But as I say, I, I've already drawn a line over. It. I was a bit disappointed watching it. I, I thought we were very flat, but I've drawn a line under it now and and just put it down to a learning process and heavy legs. Yeah, positives for me were the fact that Lamar Bogard looked pretty good. Some people were blaming him for the for the Stephen Fletcher first goal. I can't see it. You know, there's he's not yeah. getting to that cross anyway. It's a pearl of a cross. Be honest with you, it was a brilliant header, but you know, you know, uh, Jed uh, Steer made up Stephen Fletcher's kind of mind for him to have a little crack at it anyway, but because he came on so far, it was a wonder goal. Like, don't get it wrong, that's it. That the sec- the second goal was an absolute scream altogether. I know Courtney House backs off, but my god, like he put it in a posture stamp in the top in the top corner. Yeah, yeah look, nine times out of ten, they, they, they fly off yeah. the top of the stand, but um, if, if, Car- if Courtney House backs off like that against Watford, we're in trouble. And I don't think he does. Yeah. You know, again, and, and, and sorry, sometimes it's easier to let the goalkeeper do the work behind you and, and goad him into a shot. But <laughs> nine times out of ten, as you say, that that, that ends up in, in Rose Ed, but it didn't at the weekend. So there you go. I think that as well was a product of not having that defensive midfielder in there. Maybe that specific six in the second half, and, and it was weird. There was times, there was times there in 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 the first half. There was times I think that we played. We actually had a four four two, and where and where Gazi went up front beside Ali Watkins. We played a flat three, and and then we went back to our four two three one. I actually think in the first half. Um, we played very much. We played different formations. I think it was a case of learning how to change formation mid-game without stopping. Mm. you know, having situations whereby okay, we're going to play in this formation. I actually thought it was pretty evident, to be honest with you, at times in the first half that that was going on, and and maybe that's something that Craig Shakespeare was trying out because he is the tactics man an awful lot on on the training ground, and maybe that's something he was trying out because why not? It's preseason, you know. Why not? It's preseason. That's the time to but, try it. Yeah. Exactly, we're not, and, and we're not going to have that chance in three weeks' time. 
unless you won't even have it next week. Trades on a Tuesday night in Bodymore Heath, which is that's it, unlikely to happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like Stoker, decent opposition as well. You know, Stoker a week ahead. You know, you're coming up against yeah. the tactical manager, like like more of an international style tactical manager, like Michael O'Neill, who is going to go agricultural when he needs to, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting it was interesting first half from that point of view. Uh, as I said, a positive is Lamar Bogart. Another positive was somebody who uh, actually did he play? I don't. He did. He came on in the second half. But I thought the difference between him where he played in the second half against Stoke and where he played in the second uh, played against Walsall was uh, Jacob Ramsey. I thought the more withdrawn role suited Jacob Ramsey an awful lot more. And I think that if we are playing two sixes, I think he was he was uh, much more. It was much more beneficial for him to play in that position um, against Walsall. Obviously, taking into account that the opposition was lesser than there was uh, with Stoke. But uh, interesting, interesting food for thought. See where he lines up in the field. His Aaron played wide right. Don't think he's going to be a wide right player. Um, I think he's going to be more central. But. Uh, yeah, look, there's 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 a few positives. It was a frustrating game to watch, but um, I genuinely believe in the first half we were just going out there to try formations, and then the second half, then we tried to chase. We started to chase it, and we got got suckered with an absolute belter, and then we were never going to win from two 0 down. Um, not with the team we had on. But Keenan Davis played really well. Keenan Davis had a bullet of a header that was saved. He got around yeah. the field. He was our most dangerous player, uh, for sure. Maybe he was auditioning for a game for a, a move to Stoke because they are interested <laughs> apparently in signing him. But we will never know. Um, well, we will, I suppose, if he signs for Stoke. Um, but uh, we don't know today, and we certainly didn't know yesterday. Last question, I think. Well, last topic, I suppose, we're going to talk about. We touched upon it there a moment ago. Was and it's relating again. Has there ever been a footballer slash coach who's made you change your personal opinion on uh, as much as John Terry? I couldn't stand the guy before. Now I'm fully in respect, uh, full of respect and gratitude. What do you think, Paddy? John Terry, obviously, we know that he's left the team today. He's gone to yeah. pursue some family time to start off with. Although. I have a sneaking suspicion we might see him rock up in Rome with his old mate at some stage. Just nothing in that other than just in the sky stuff. Why wouldn't you want to move to Rome for a while? Um, (laughs) But uh, John Terry, fantastic player. uh, Finished up his career with Aston Villa. Went into coaching. I would never have said he would have been a a coach when when he was playing. But uh, talk to me about John Terry, Paddy. Well, I I think that question just sums sums up, you know, there's been a lot of players I thought that way of and, and came to Villa and changed my mind of them. I, I could probably make a list of them here for you now. But I think he, he's definitely the one who more than anybody else made me change my mind about him. First off, as a player, um, to sit in the whole day and then watch him, you know, I've said it so many times before, he, he's like the conductor of an orchestra. He just spots everything five minutes before it happens. He's incredible. Um it, it was a joy to watch him for that one season. It's just a pity we didn't get back into the Premier League when, when he was there. And then to come in as a, as a coach, um, I was a little bit disappointed he didn't continue as a player as well at the time. And mm. um, we when we when we started the struggle in that even in that season we promoted, like we were so far behind at one stage. Uh, there, there was a lot of calls for him to step up and play, but they stuck with the system and got and got us promoted. So, so that's something else to be really thankful for that he was involved in that. And, you know, a lot of people will forget what he did today, but I think to come out now before the season starts and not give the management a headache further into this process, 
of not having that other coach. If if they feel need to replace him, that is, if we don't have somebody like Amelia Edenacker or whoever who will step into that position, um, that he's done it now rather than Martin O'Neill esque the week before the, <laughs> or the week of a Premier yeah, League starting. So, look, I, I've nothing but respect for John Terry. I was blessed to have met him a couple of times. Seems like a really humble guy. He was very nice to the fans, very good to the kids. Um, you know, forgetting about everything that happened in the past. I'm not a big fan of Chelsea or, or whatever he is alleged to be done in the past. But for for now, he, he'd be a hero of mine having seen what he's done in the last four years. Mm. I must say, um, that, that last comment we had up there just after losing it there from Leighton, um, I kind of agree with it as well. When he first burst out the scene, he was fresh-faced kid. You know, he had a bit of swagger about him from centre half. He was mm. different. There weren't a lot of the, like he wasn't uh, like back in that day. There was a lot of centre halves that were maybe carrying a bit of a gut that were just there standing there heading balls away. John Terry wasn't that guy. Um, and yeah, look, we'll say there was times he was captain in Chelsea. He was coming out of the tunnel and. You know, I would have hurled abuse at him from, at the TV watching him and wouldn't thought very highly of him. But he did come. I always thought that, you know, the, the moniker of him being, um, how am I going to say it, thinking he was too good for certain things. I don't think that can be labeled at him anymore. He came to us in our deep and in one of our hours of need. Like, there oh, was, absolutely. Yeah. He, had no, he had no need to come to Aston Villa. Like there was no need yeah. for him to come to Aston Villa in his mind. He went to a lot of other clubs. He could have gone out and, like, realistically, he could have done a Sergio Ramos and he could have gone and play with Paris Saint Germain, you know, or, or, or uh, you know, just continue to play at the top level. Came to Aston Villa, developed a liking for the club, ended up staying as staying as a coach, and mm. you know that shows that shows a small a bit more to the man. I think I would have thought five years ago, you know, when I was when I, uh, yeah. when I was. Uh, Maybe not as fond of him. So, listen, I wish him well on what he does. Whether he gets replaced or not, I don't think we'll uh, we'll know in the short term. But um, yeah. I don't. I would imagine Dean Smith would maybe bring someone in. Whether it's a massive signing, signing. Whether it's a massive appointment, I don't think it's going to be Olaf Melberg as much and all as I would love to be here <laughs> inside in, in in the in the dugout. And uh, I don't think it's going to be Olaf Melberg. I think that's very much a fan's folly. Um, but it might be somebody who might come in there and uh, and help out. Or it might be no one. You know, might be happy with his lot. Might be yeah. happy with his lot. Well, that's um, what I, we looked around at it today and I went, does he need to be replaced? I don't know. You know, there might there might be someone there in the background that we don't know that yeah, for could, sure. could fill in there. So we, we'll, we'll find out in due course. But for now, look, if we, if we could get a word to him, it would be to shake his hand and say thanks because, you know, we could uh, we could do a lot worse than what we've had in the last five years with, with John Terry there. Hello, Mo. <laughs> Why not? He did yeah. say he was offered a coaching opportunity. If he doesn't doesn't stick on with a team before the start of the season, maybe his second thoughts and he just comes back and and, and comes in as a voice. I, I very much think that John Terry was just an experienced voice. I don't think he I've nothing to base this on, but I don't think he was a mastermind in, in, on the field or anything like that. But I think he was there to offer his experience and his voice and yeah. that's important. You know, that's important and, and as offer, well. To offer have. His voice he did when 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 the chips were down. He was up in, in Dean Smith's ear all the time, talking, going through stuff, trying to see how they would change it. You could see he was very hands-on in his time there. And, you know, the, the iconic image of when, when we got promoted, 
he was standing there right beside Dean, ready to hug him. That was the first person to meet him. So he he was definitely hands-on. There's no doubt about that. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people questioned that in the early days when, when our defence was in turmoil. But he turned it around and look, look at where our defence was last season. It was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Martin, I just saw there, uh, would we send Nakamba or not? I, I don't think we will. I think we'll actually might even see more on Nakamba this year. Uh, I think that, uh, once again, he, he could be a forgotten man. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to sell him unless we bring in a replacement for him. Um, TJH45 says, would you take him to and say be back in Philly? We actually spoke about that, and I think that, yes, we would have him as that hybrid defensive midfielder, central midfield player as well, uh, which would be good, which would be good. Uh, Paddy, Kieran wants to know, have we any idea when we'd be able to get over to Villa Park? Well, I'm getting a... <laughs> Discuss. I'm getting the second one on uh, on Friday, so um, after that, then we we'll be in a better decision to be in a better position to at least make up our minds, um, yeah. or have our minds made up for us whether we're even allowed travel or not is is another mm-hmm. question. But um, as think, of now, we biggest, will be looking to get over early. Yeah, season. the biggest the biggest issue from our point of view is the the rate of uh, this variant is traveling through the UK and. I, I don't know whether I could live myself if I bring it back and give it to someone. So mm. that that's my ultimate concern at the moment. I am hoping to get to Brentford the second game of the home game of the season. If that doesn't happen, it'll be shortly after that. I hope. Touch wood. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it uh, it's it's one of these times you start thinking about getting to Villa Park and get the butterflies, and then you kind of go. Yeah, but like you could like we don't even know if we're, we might book flights, but we might not even be able to get on the plane from this side mm. anyway. So it's a, it's it's got to be an interesting one uh, to be confirmed. I think it's what we'll say with that one to be confirmed, guys. It's twenty past eleven, and we've one hundred and eighteen people watching us talk absolute nonsense <laughs> about Aston Villa. This is amazing. Thanks very much to everybody who's tuned in tonight. We would really appreciate it if you could give us a subscription on YouTube. If you're not already subscribed, we really appreciate it. If you could like this video. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll find us on at Love McGrath Pod. You'll find Paddy on at Villa Paddy as well. We'll be doing loads more of these, as I say, and um, we'll be doing more team sheet tantrums before games as the as the season comes back. And we'll actually do them starting for not the Sevilla game. Who are we playing before Sevilla? Mind is gone. Coming up to midnight. We're Forest tomorrow, haven't we? Or Forest, Forest on Wednesday, and then. Yeah, sure. Do you know what? We might, might even do a team sheet tension before Forrest as well. Who knows? We'll see. We're that kind of way. You know, <laughs> anything could happen. Anything could happen here. But you never know unless unless you subscribe on YouTube. It's the only way you're good at all. Uh, we also have an audio podcast as well. Uh, everything goes out on the audio podcast as well. So if you can find us on Apple Podcast or uh, Spreaker or Spotify, wherever, uh, you'll be able to find our audio versions there if YouTube. Like me, sometimes I'll watch on YouTube, but... You know, you can't turn off your phone if you're watching YouTube and you can't put it in your pocket, you know, so it could be a bit of a hindrance that way. So you got to follow us both ways if you really like what we're saying. But uh, thanks so much to everybody for everything you do. Really appreciate everybody who follows and interacts with the podcast. I'm seeing some brand new names here that I'm absolutely thrilled to see. We'd love to chat to you guys more and more often. So hopefully we'll see you back in the future if you liked what you saw tonight. Uh, just give us a uh, sub on YouTube. So that's going to do it, guys. Uh, farewell to JT thank you for a great uh, almost four years with the club 
Um, good to see Dean Smith back. Hopefully we see John, Jack Reed sign a contract during the week. And then the cherry on the cake would be great to see Leon Bailey burst through the doors of Bodymore Heat on maybe Friday or Saturday and then top off a fantastic week uh, just before the August Bank Holiday weekend here in Ireland. So uh, thanks everybody so much for listening. Thanks everybody so much for watching. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.